Yeah. I don't know if you can, but can you get an order for ONS? That's O-N-S Junior Market. The address is 1934 East Anaheim. All the windows are busted out, and it's like a free for all here, and the uh, owner should be to come down here and see if he can secure his business if he wants to. Devil fans, welcome to the Trap Podcast. I am your host, Bill Botch. It is October 1st, and you know what that means. That means hockey season is right around the corner. I hope everyone is having a great weekend. It looks like the rain has finally subsided. We have a beautiful Sunday afternoon. So uh, what would we do? We would go into the basement and record a podcast, obviously. Um, welcome everybody to the Trap Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I am here with Bill Senior, um, aka the Pickle, and we have some stuff to go over. First, I want to uh, I want to thank and bring up the Uncle Puckers pod podcast who I was on last night. Uh, so keep an eye out for that episode. Those guys are really cool and have a ton of experience surrounding the Devils, know the history of the team. Um. And they're a good time. So if you're looking for some devil's content, make sure you check them out. But there's a lot going on around the league that I'd like to talk about, especially with the devils playing two preseason games since our last episode. And uh, I'm going to give you my take and we'll, we'll hear Bill, Bill senior's take as well. And um, obviously feel free to comment or ask any questions and leave a post um, below after listening to the episode. So we'll hop into it. There's a bunch that went on this week. One, one of the bigger things was uh, Andre Vasilevsky. He looks like he's going to need back surgery and it's going to have him out between eight and 10 weeks. Um, Tampa Bay has already been going through a little bit of drama surrounding Steven Stamkos and not getting a contract extension yet. And I think, um, this really puts them in a in a tough spot. The Atlantic Division is very very competitive. You have up and coming teams like Buffalo, Ottawa, and Detroit, and now you're going to be losing your franchise goalie for the first two months of the, of the season. You know this is one of the problems that plagues teams. While it's obviously a franchise goalie is what everyone is looking for when you pay somebody that kind of money, you don't really have depth at that position. Um, then you look at the Rangers and Shesterkin, they don't, you know, Jonathan quick is a backup. If God forbid something happened to Shesterkin, it really leaves them vulnerable. And you, you have to wonder what their situation would be if Shesterkin was to go down for, for a while. So while the devil's goaltending has been a question mark and people have kind of pointed that out as a sore spot going into this season, you know, Will the goaltending be able to hold up in the playoffs? Can they really win the Stanley Cup with Vanacek and Schmid? Um, if one of those guys goes down, you know that you have another capable average goaltender to to back them up. So you're not front-loading that position. And um, it's hard. It's hard not having depth in net. Um, but it's going to be uh, – we're going to see how that affects Tampa – Moving forward, he's one of the best goaltenders in the world. Um, how do you think that Tampa is going to be able to make out without Vasilevsky and Net for the first two months of the season? I think they're going to be in trouble. I think there's uh, they got problems to begin with. You know, Stamkos isn't happy. Um, it's I don't think it's the same team that it was three years ago, four years ago. So I think that's going to be a big problem losing, you know, somebody that wins games for you, just like Shesterkin wins games for the Rangers. Um, also, this week, Ty Smith was put on waivers and was not claimed. 23-year-old drafted by the Devils, very high prospect coming out of the Western Hockey League. Um his rookie season, he was in the conversation for the Calder Trophy. 
and since then has really seen a slid in his you know his game has slid and at this point he's he's pretty much unplayable um one of the things with smith was his footwork was not really up to par he did not have speed he can contribute offensively but his problem was when the puck would be thrown into his own end and he had to turn his back on the play he was in fear for his well-being he's obviously not a big kid but you need to have that composure when you have people barreling down on you and be able to move the puck efficiently um, if you're constantly going to turn the puck over or make um, questionable decisions with the puck when you have pressure coming from behind it doesn't lend that does not lend itself well to being a NHL defenseman um, so obviously that trade between Pittsburgh and New Jersey looks like a huge win for the Devils. John Marino has been a staple and one of the best shutdown second pair defensemen in the league. Um, and very rarely do you see trades, especially with defensemen made within the division. And um, Pittsburgh was kind of uh, cap strapped. And they had to make some moves in order to re-sign some of their players. And Marino was the reward that the Devils were able to get from that situation with Ty Smith, who was a very high prospect going the other way. Like I said, he had that good rookie season. His sophomore season was pretty horrific. Um, And then he really wasn't able to crack the lineup over there and, um, you know, now and now you have new a new general manager come into town and he didn't see any place for Ty Smith moving forward. So I wonder to see I saw some Devils fans suggesting that we pick him back up, which seems ridiculous to me. Bring him home, I read. Uh I think I think that's out of the question. Um, but it is it is it's kind of sad to see a young person's career pretty much uh if no one claims him it could pretty much be over at this point. So um, that was a another great move by Tom Fitzgerald that we have to at least acknowledge with Smith going unclaimed on waivers this week. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest upgrades that the Devils have had this season has been Tyler Toffoli. And I think the, the you know, it, Trading places from a Yegor Sharangovich to a Toffoli is really a night and day um, upgrade when it comes to grit and physicality and the, you know, the manliness that comes with a Toffoli compared to a Sharangovich. Sharangovich was not a physical player. He was not hard to play against. He was not very good away from the puck, not great along the boards. Sharangovich has a great shot, and there's no doubt about that. But Toffoli also has a very good release. He's a 30-goal scorer. He's a proven veteran who has won a Stanley Cup, knows what it's like to play in the playoffs, Um, and he's a smart player, and I think he's going to work really well with Jack Hughes and Jesper Bratt. They played in the game on whatever day. What day was the Ranger game? What was it, Tuesday? Was it Tuesday or Wednesday? I don't know. They played in the Ranger game together, and I thought that they looked pretty good. Um, but the upgrade from Sharon Govich to, to Foley cannot be uh, emphasized enough. I think you look at um, Toffoli's father has come out and said, pretty much was very honest and said that he is hoping that Toffoli is hoping that he can have a good season with this team and then sign a contract extension with the New Jersey Devils. Um, and that may mean that he's willing to take less money if he has success and sees a chance to win another Stanley Cup. He's a veteran. He's been paid plenty of times. Money is not his problem, um, and it's just about what he, what kind of value he brings to the team and what he'd be willing to sacrifice on his AAV moving forward. You know, The other guy that they brought up was Thomas Tatar, and the Devils did, in fact, offer Thomas Tatar a one-year deal he thought that he was going to be able to get a longer term out on the open market. 
and that wasn't the case. He only ends up signing a one-year deal um, for probably less less money than he would have got for if he was yeah. to be signed by New Jersey. Um, and and Tatar wasn't, you know, he wasn't upset about it. He was very honest and came out and said, I thought I was going to be able to get more years. In fact, it wasn't the case. He obviously switched agents at during the offseason. And, um, yeah, he's a guy that the Devils probably could have would have liked to have kept. But if um, he was, he, you know, he thought he could get more on the open market and it just just wasn't happening. Um, what, what are your thoughts on the Toffoli and the Tatar news that came out uh, this week? Well, like you said, I think Sharon Govich is a complimentary player, but we don't need that type of player. Toffoli's going to work out really well. You could see that that those guys are really going to gel together. Um, you know, it adds a little size, a little muscle to that line. Um, Jasper Bratt's been fantastic on that line. You know, they look like all three of them are are working together. Tatar, I feel I feel bad for the guy. He's I, you know, whenever I hear those, whenever I hear those. Um, him getting a million and a half dollars for a one-year contract feels like somebody did him wrong or or his agent didn't do his job. I think he's worth more than that. Um, he was he would be worth more than that to us. We're paying Nosek a million dollars. I mean, yeah, but you know, I I agree he's worth more than a million and a half dollars, but I think. Um, they're paying Nosek for first of all, the league minimum is like seven seventy or whatever it is. Gotcha. So it's like two hundred thousand you know, two hundred and thirty thousand dollars more um for, to get a veteran. I think they're paying him to play on the fourth line. You know what I mean? Like you're not gonna put Tatar on your fourth line. He he's not a fourth line player. So um I I don't think it's fair to compare like Nate Bastion to no, I know you've said that they, before. They play completely different positions and they have completely different roles on the team. Um, one of the things that I'd like to point out is the uh, is Lenny Hemanaho continues to impress in the Liga in Finland. He's now up to five goals in his last six games. He has been extremely impressive and I think Fitzgerald has found himself a a serious player here. I think he's going to end up being someone that we can, can contribute. And he looks like he could be a, a really good third line player. He's not going to kill you with speed, but he does seem to have this scoring touch and he seems to be a very uh, aware, high IQ hockey sense kind of guy. Um, and he's playing in a league with men right now and he seems to be have, having a lot of success. So, uh, Hemanaho has looked really good. And obviously Seamus Casey had, I believe, five points last night, a goal and four assists. Wow. And, he, and he's somebody who continues to impress and continues to be one of the devil's highest um, rated prospects. We, go ahead. Uh, I thought they were going to say something. So, um, yeah, and and, you know, Casey, is there a spot for Casey on the back end right now? I don't know if that's if you know he's got a year, so we have we have time to wait with him. But he definitely looks like a player, and he's somebody that could potentially become a forward as well if need be. I mean, I don't think that they want to get rid of him. He's somebody that is coveted, and um, I'm hoping that the Devils are able to find a, a place for him in the lineup, preferably at defense. But if not, I think he is versatile enough in his skating and his offensive ability lend himself to possibly being able to play forward at some point too, if he had to, we could get into the games versus the New York Rangers and versus the flyers. I thought both of the games were for the most part, pretty sloppy um, as expected. These are the first games that people are playing. There's a lot of guys that aren't going to play in the NHL. But there were a key, there were a couple key players that I think majority of our fan base were honing in on and hoping to see them someone stand out and really grab 
whether it's that, uh, that fourth line winger position or that sixth defenseman position. Uh, Colin Miller is a guy who the devil's brought in from, Oh, I'm drawing a blank. Vancouver, maybe was it Vancouver? Uh, yeah. Or Dallas, maybe I'm drawing a blank, but they brought in Colin Miller as a veteran defenseman and he was going to be somebody that could potentially chew up some penalty kill minutes and you'd have like a veteran uh, presence on the back end while you you had Ball who is still kind of wet behind the ears and then you had a Luke Hughes who's only played a handful of games and it it would be good to have somebody that could just maybe settle things down back there and Colin Miller is very he, he's leaving a lot to be desired as of now Absolutely, I, I think Absolutely. he looks very confused um he's hopping into a new system and i understand that but he has been around for a while i don't want to start making excuses for the guy it's not like i've watched a ton of tape on him but i don't like his decision making with the puck so far and he has definitely not won that position over in my eyes right now despite no. him being paid um so that kind of scares me, you know what I mean? Because I haven't liked Brendan Smith's game. I think he somehow has looked slower and older than he did last year, which has been an issue for him. He gets caught out of position way too much and it leads to penalties. He's physical. He could kill penalties. Uh, if he had any kind of footwork or any kind of speed, it would he could actually we could probably use him this year we could um, but he looks awful he looked horrible in the in the flyer game and what really concerns me is this back end is so young and we are one injury away from having a brendan smith playing for the devils full time and that's pretty scary we do not have depth at the defensive position right now and that was one of the issues that I had coming into this season was the amount of youth and inexperience back there. I think the Devils are going to be able to jump into the play. I think a Luke Hughes is going to be able to jump into the play and, and make things happen. My question is, and where I'm concerned, is when they get hemmed in the defensive zone, what they're able to do. And you saw it in both games. The Ranger game, we went literally half a period were basically not touching the puck for the start of the second period. That was way too long to have no possession of the puck. Um, And we were scrambling big time. And then you saw it again in the Philadelphia game. We went like unordinary amounts of time where we did not have any puck possession whatsoever. And we were getting hemmed in versus a team that basically iced I don't know, a quarter of a professional team. And we had some we had some legit players out there. The youth on the back end and the inexperience and then the veterans that we've brought in and what they've looked like is to me is a red flag. And um you know, we we've talked about Nemitz at at length. To me, he looks as good, if not better, than Miller already. He definitely does. He definitely does. During the offseason when they bought those guys in, when they bought in Miller and they bought in uh, Nosek, I was, I was excited to have some, some veteran players back there and figuring guys that are going to be, you know, bottom of the fourth line and, you know, six defensemen. I don't know that they won those jobs. Um, I don't know that Nosek won his job either. Tice Thompson kind of looks good, and Nolan Foote looks good. And I don't know how you start Miller in front of Nemitz. The biggest surprise with Nemitz with me was I didn't realize his offensive game. He actually – it's vice versa for me. I thought that Luke Hughes was going to be – the guy that's going to be an offensive powerhouse and Nemitz was going to be a, a better defenseman in the defensive zone. And it was kind of reverse. That's 
That's yeah. the way I saw it. I, yeah, I think that you underestimated Nemitz's offensive ability. For I did. Sure. I did. He, he is an offensive-minded defenseman, no doubt about it. I still think you're right. I, I think that Luke Hughes is extremely offensive-minded. Um, I think that was one game. And uh, that's something that I wanted to touch on anyway after we touch on this Nemitz point, if, if you don't mind. You know, the entire league not just devil fans would have been talking about Nemitz if Shesterkin didn't rob him on that glove save. No, absolutely. So he would have went from having a fluke goal in the Montreal game, which was totally flukish. He doesn't get credit for that, but he played okay. And then in the Ranger game, he had that no look cross ice pass that led to the Toffoli goal. That was beautiful. And then right after that, he almost netted one too. And it would have, that would have raised a lot of eyebrows and got a lot of attention Absolutely. when he came out of that game. He was literally one amazing save away from really making an impression on not just Devil fans, but the league. You know, I think I was really confused with the decision-making and the thought process behind the the way that they played these guys the other night. Um you played if you really wanted to get a look at Nemitz, why would you play him with Weatherspoon, who is horrible? He is well, not a serviceable defenseman. He's never gonna make the team. He couldn't move the puck. This is right. a guy that's not playing at his level. They literally cut the guy the next day. He was unclaimed off of waivers. If you really wanted to take a look and you were serious about thinking that this kid had an opportunity to make the opening night roster, you would have played him with ball because that's who he would be playing with if he was playing. So they play ball and Marino the entire time, which I don't think ball and Marino are ever going to play together, honestly, as a pairing. I think out of anybody, those are the only two players on defense who won't play together. Ball can play with Dougie on the first pairing. And then Ball can obviously play on the third pairing. But why would you not give Nemitz an opportunity to play with an NHL defenseman if you're seriously trying to take a look at him? Did you see see Kevin Deneen's interview this week? He Uh, wound up – he said that uh, he had that – Weatherspoon, is it? mm -hmm. They had him as uh, Simone Nemitz's – Defensive partner he, in, in Utica, right? They did. They had him as his defensive partner, but he was a mentor for him. He brought him in because they, the guy's, you know, he's Older, still playing yeah. in the AHL and he's, you know, 55 years old. But he had experience and he kind of wanted to bring him under his wing. He felt like he, w- he would be a good mentor to to him just to get his feet wet. So yeah, he they, wanted may, to they may have done it for that. He got acclimated to the United States. That was literally about being a child and moving to the United States, right. and like learning how to live in the United States by yourself. I, when it comes to athletic ability and hockey IQ and, and obviously Weatherspoon is not good enough to crack a lineup. No. Like, I don't understand why you wouldn't play Nemitz with ball at some point if this is somebody that you're really trying to figure out if they have what it takes to beat out Miller for the sixth spot. That doesn't make any sense to me. And it doesn't make any sense to me that they play Luke Hughes. They didn't play him with Marino. And obviously that's where Luke Hughes will will be playing. That's not He's not even trying to make the team. He is going to make right. the team, and he's going to be playing with Marino. And they didn't pair them together. And that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I think you want to know what you have. And it's hard to do if, you know, it wouldn't make any sense. You wouldn't throw Jack Hughes out there with some scrub fourth liners. That doesn't make any sense. So I don't understand why you would put your young, you know, future defensive um, prospects out there and play them with people who I just don't see a future with. Um. You know, I think Nemitz made a lot of really nice plays, uh, and he and he turned the puck over as well. And it's it's exactly what you're. It's exactly what I expect, and it's kind of like what I've been talking about with Luke Hughes, to where I think the offensive ability is going to be off the charts, um, and I think he's going to do a lot of amazing things. And I worry about him in his defensive zone, and I worry about him turning the puck over and making rookie mistakes. And that's something that everyone should 
you know, come to expect prepare for, yeah. And prepare for, cause that's part of, that's part of being a rookie. It's part of growing up um, and, and learning from your mistakes. You know, the, the one thing that I've always kind of, the one criticism I have about Luke Hughes is that he kind of gambles a little too much for my liking, uh, you know, especially right. as a defenseman, you can't really do that, you know? So, and I thought that it was the complete opposite the other night. I think he sacrificed his offensive game to make smart plays, to get out of the zone and kind of simplified things and played a little more maturely on the back end. He didn't make any, he didn't make any great plays and he definitely, you know, he wasn't turning heads, but I thought the level of simplicity that he approached the game with was it showed character. It's because he's going to need to do that on some nights. He's going to need to take a back seat to the rest of the team and just don't make any stupid plays and just move the puck. And he was able to do that. We've talked about his skating over and over the, the smooth, the way that he can flip his hips is second to none. And there's very few people in this league that can really skate the way that he does. And it's like a, it's a Miro Heiskanen, you know, a Kel McCarr. There's very, very few people that have the ability to do that. And he, his, he can flip his hips as good as anybody to where his upper body looks completely stationary and his, the bottom half of his body is gaining speed and momentum and transitioning. Right. And it allows him to obviously make up for any kind of mental IQ of the game that he might be one half a step behind. He's able to do that because his legs are so impressive. So I was really impressed with the way that he skated. And I was really impressed with the simplicity of the game that he played versus the Rangers the other night. I was hoping yeah. that go ahead that that really impressed me the most that he did you know he showed the patience and he was able to he skated the puck out of the zone when he didn't have a clear a uh, couple times and i thought that that was you know that was pretty good it was it was not what you would expect a rookie defenseman to do you would expect them to you know Dish it off the glass real quick, but they got hemmed in a couple times, and he did skate it right up the middle of the ice and out of the zone. I, I was impressed with that. He's not a throw the puck off the glass kid. Like, no, no, he's that's not what he's going to want to do with it. And like, uh, there's going to be times where it's okay for him to do that. What I worry about is when he doesn't have any ice, and then he tries to skate it out, and he tries to get fancy with it, or make the extra pass, or get cute with it that it goes the other way. And, and the same thing goes for Nemitz as well. Um, but those two looked very promising. Um, Nemitz, Nemitz moved the puck pretty good. I, I was, I was impressed and it, it's not so much that I'm impressed with him is that I'm unimpressed with our other options. And right. that is a, that really scares me. And, and like I said, it scares me when teams start cycling in our zone the the kids are just and we're not, chasing. We're the just kids chasing. are not built for that. They are not ready for that yet. They they don't know how to they don't know how to work against that. And it's it's going to be a it could be a problem. Um, we did. I you have to be impressed with what you've seen from Kevin Ball and and Kevin Ball is a kid who. You saw the how his skating was at the beginning of last year, and we talked about it to the end of last year. And now you look at it, at, you know, just the first the first couple of preseason games, his skating looks really good. And I have this like he's kind of giving me these vibes to where he kind of is acting like a veteran almost. Um, he's a veteran guy out there, maybe just because that's the position that he's put in with so many young guys back there with him to where he looks like he's becoming a little more comfortable. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if you see him get a little nastier, but he had a really, he had a really nice pass the, to Brat on, on the backhand, some backhand sauce that led to a goal. And um, Kevin Ball is a guy who we talked about being a very important piece of this team going into the season. He's going to have to pick up some penalty killing uh, minutes. And if 
his game was to fall off or if he was struggling at some point, it's going to affect the entire team because there is going to be a lot of inexperience back there. But for some reason, I just, he, he, he seems to be a kid that is going to quickly, I hope so anyway, he has the ability and there's a chance that he quickly becomes like a veteran for some reason. I, I just feel that way. And, um, I was really happy with what we've seen from ball over just the, the since training camp has opened. Yeah. Watching him jump into the offensive play. He had that assist with Brat. I was surprised. I was really surprised, but he does look if it's possible, bigger, stronger, and faster than last year. He looks like he has a lot more confidence. I'm not worried about him as much as I am about the third pairing. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we, we talk about the the Devils getting caved in on defense, and and really it wasn't like because Luke Hughes and Nemitz were out there. It, they got caved in when Collar Milner was out there too. So, um, if that's the case, and you're going to get the same level of defensive play, I would rather play the kid and let him learn from experience. And you know his trajectory is much much higher than Miller's. Um, and if you have to sit him at some point or pull him out at some point, you can always put Miller in. But besides, all right, so let's say you don't want to play Nemitz because you're scared there's too much youth. You have Miller, who has been unimpressive. You have Smith, who's unplayable, in my opinion. And then you have Cal Foot, And, like, Cal Foot got caved in last night. He did right. not look good. He wasn't um, impressive. I don't think that I don't think Nolan Foot was impressive either. I actually do. He had a shift where he had three shots on goal. He looked like he was able to to you know fight along the boards and grab the puck. I thought that he looked pretty good. I didn't think that um, Nosek or you know Lazar looked good on the fourth line. Obviously, McLeod's going to be you know he's our guy. Um, Bastion hopefully comes back, but if he's hurt, yeah, Lazar, I think, looks really good. Tice Thompson. Tice Thompson. Okay, you're naming Nolan Foote. Well, I'm naming, I'm naming two people, Tice Thompson and Nolan Foote, that I would play on the fourth line before I would play Nosek, or maybe even Bastion. Maybe even Bastion. Maybe Tice Thompson. I. No one the biggest surprise. The biggest surprise. The biggest surprise to me was Curtis Lazar looked very good. To me, he did. I didn't yeah. think he looked that good last year. He looked rock solid. He looked like a good fourth line player. He played. He did. He has played very good. He's been very impressive. Nolan Foot has not earned himself a roster spot. Well, maybe not. But you would have to say Tice Thompson. Would be I know, but where are you going to play all these players? Like, who are you? Where are you playing them? Who are you? Who are you? Who is your final? Well, roster? you don't even know if Bastion's going to be healthy for the beginning of the season. Going to be on the roster though, right? So who are you? Who are you cutting? Which is which is which is one of the scary parts. We just went out and and picked up Nosek, and we picked up you know Miller, and both of them, both of them to me, they don't. They don't look like good pickups. Obviously, Fitzy they're knows depth. a lot more they're, than they're, I do. They're depth pickups, though. They're depth, depth pickups pick that are going to take up roster spots, aren't they? No, not necessarily. They don't. Do have they to. have? Does Does Miller and Nosek have two way contracts? They could. They, you could healthy scratch them. Yeah. Okay. So who would you, I mean? You can't have everybody. Who would you want? You can't have Foot Thompson and Lazar. No, I think that I think that Lazar, McLeod, um, Thompson, yeah. and Bastion are going to be those are those are your that's your extra defenseman or your extra fourth liner. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see a spot for Foot the way that he's playing. I don't think he's been that good. He's had a good shift or two, but they obviously like what they see out of Thompson, uh, who I think is playing well. And he's obviously dealt with a ton of injuries. Um, he's been riddled with injuries. 
but they clearly like what they see out of him because they keep playing him and they want to can see if they can he can do it continuously. Um, and he's productive too. He's productive and he he doesn't turn the puck over. I thought that Clark, you know, was just terrible. I think he turned the he turned the puck over way too many times. So I don't think he's ever going to be an option. Yeah, he he's not. I mean, he was a guy that you were thinking, well, maybe Clark could even beat Holtz out for the third line role going into the season. And obviously, they didn't play Holtz on the third line. They played him on the on the first line, and he's been successful. I mean, he's had two goals in the two games that he's played in. He almost had he almost had a third. Um, that's not to say that. And Lindy Ruff even brought it up last night and said, "I, I don't think that the." first line played very well tonight despite having a goal nobody played well i didn't think nobody played well except for our goalie position That's I, what I, I, I don't play. i don't think that the hall and mercer plot line played well um despite you know obviously winning the game in overtime but i didn't think they necessarily played very good versus a very uh soft flyers team but holtz definitely is at least playing he looks like he belongs in the league, at least. You know what he I mean? Definitely, he definitely belongs. And he looks a lot more comfortable. And if you saw the quote that he had after the game, he's like, it feels good to be playing the beautiful game of hockey and enjoying it. And uh, I'm actually having fun for the first time in a very long time. So I think that all that stuff is really important. Um, you have to, once it, you know, it could overload these kids. You have to be mentally very strong, especially when you've been in the position that Holtz has been the past couple of years where he's been scratched and then moved up and down and really right. dropped on, played on the fourth line and this and that. Um, it's good to see him in good spirits because I think that goes a long way with the success of a young player. Uh, the goaltending has been phenomenal. Uh, I think VTech has looked great. I thought Schmid was amazing in the Ranger game. Uh, I even think Schalgren looked good uh, despite letting up that first shot in the Ranger game. Uh, I, I think the goaltending looks r- really solid. It does look solid, and I love to see. I love to see somebody that could beat on the Rangers the way the way Schmidt is. It's like the old days when uh, Chris Terreri was the flyer killer. You know, we have a ranger killer. How great would that be? Yeah. And it was he's funny. not letting up goals against them. He's not. I mean, somebody broke it up. Uh, somebody broke it down. Like, actually, VTech has played very good versus the Rangers, too. Everyone just remembers the playoffs, obviously. But if you go back into the regular <laughs> season and you look at VTech starts versus the Rangers, he played really good. Um, Tyler Toffoli played really good, too. He was a guy he that did. he looks like he's going to be very very solid player for us we don't have to worry about him you know what i mean it's kind of like a palat almost it's like these are guys that have just been around the block before they know what it takes um so there's a lot i mean you know the devils have the devils have some upcoming games we have the islanders and we have the rangers so what days do these fall on let me pull it up so we play tomorrow we play the islanders in Newark, and then we play the Rangers in Newark on Wednesday. This is when you really have to, you're going to see, they have to start putting out some pairings and some lines that they plan on playing in the actual regular season. Would you agree? I definitely agree. They want to get a look at certain kids to see who is going to make the team and who is not going to make the team. So if you have the Islanders and the Rangers coming up, are you playing – do you think they'll play Ball and Nemitz at some point together? They should. They should. If they – if, you know, it, you have a sample, you have a little bit of a sample of what he's going to do. Unless – if he doesn't pair him with Ball, you know that they have no – they're not going to keep him up. They're just – they plan on sending him down. That would be my take. I think Ruff would have it. Ruff has his mind made up. If they if he doesn't play well, him, why play him ball, at all? Like, why would you play somebody at all if you had your mind made up? No, I'm saying if they don't play him with ball, then you know that 
you know, then he's just, why are they playing half of the guys that they got up there? Well, they just cut like 13 players or whatever. So I think it's, I think it's rightfully so. Yeah. I think it's down to like, all right, can we start seeing some guys that potentially have a chance to make the team play with other guys who are going to be on the team? That would be a good start. No, Uh, I agree. Yeah. So that was, you know, that was kind of frustrating to me. I I was like, you know, give the kid a shot. You know, I, I think, I think they they're scared of having all of the inexperience. Um, but anyway, um, so yeah, so they play tomorrow and then they play Wednesday versus the Rangers. And then their final pregame is uh, preseason game is on Friday, October 6th on the road in long Island versus the Islanders. And I'm assuming that'll be, I think the Wednesday game might be the final that'll be your final roster out there to give them a walkthrough. And then you'll give the guys basically eight days to prepare for the home opener on Thursday night, October 12th versus the Detroit Red Wings. Um, one of the things that we, that we brought up in the last episode with Kyle Marcel was he was talking about the NHL future bets that he was putting in and how he would put in the $50 bet that was going to land $950,000 and stuff. And that was funny. And that's something that I wanted to at least touch on with some of these, some of these future futures going into the season. And I'm going to mark them down here. So I'll have them. We'll be able to review them uh, at the end of the year. But you know, the, the, the spread and the gambling part of sports has gotten so insane with, you know, DraftKings and everything. I mean, especially we're, it's football Sunday right now. We're watching football and um, we, we're going to do a little segment. And this one is for Phil Mickelson. Okay. So obviously if you guys have heard Phil Mickelson has gambled a billion dollars on sports betting. And he's still not broke. A billion dollars. <laughs> like keep keep on talking about tiger (laughs) 350 million dollars in he wasn't like oh man this isn't going so good like i got a problem (laughs) a billion he gambled. michael jordan came out and said oh my god he gambles a lot (laughs) (laughs) a billion dollars so we'll do we're gonna do a little segment weekly and it'll be called billion dollar picks for phil mickelson and hopefully he listens to this <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and I'll give you my top three picks of the week and, uh, and we'll just keep a record of them going. I'll write them down. We'll keep a record going through the season, but it could add just a little fun to some of the other games in the league that we don't cover their teams, but some of the stuff that I'm thinking, but in this week for billion dollar picks, we are going to do NHL futures. And I remember, you know, growing up, I used to listen to Mike Francesa and Mike Francesa used to do this, his sports picks um, on like Fridays and stuff. And he would always go. So here we go for this week's NFL picks in the league where they pay to play. All right. So... Here we go. We got these are my future picks. Okay, Dad, tell me okay, what you I'll think of these. Back. First, I've got over unders total points for teams. I got the Dallas Stars over a hundred and five point five points. Last year they had a hundred and eight points. Right. I think the team is getting even better. They are getting Dallas better. Dallas is a Stanley Cup favorite. I like over 105.5 points for Dallas. I Num- like it. Number like two. It a lot. We got the Buffalo Savers over 92.5 points for the season. I think the Buffalo Sabres are going to be great this year. I think they're going to be a big surprise. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't know if they're going to have that many points. Well, you ain't gonna make the playoffs if you have not if you have less than ninety two points, Deb. Oh no, I don't know. Not a very strong division. It's the strongest division in the entire league. You think? Yeah, Tampa, Toronto, Ottawa. I think Boston's Boston. falling off, and I think Tampa's gonna have a problem playing without a goalie. But go ahead, go ahead. It's, 
okay. They had 91 points last year. I think they're getting better. I think they're going to have over 92.5 points. And you can't make the playoffs and not have 92 and a half points. So, um, third pick, New York Rangers. And this one is under 103.5 points. They had 107 points last year. I think the Rangers have a lot of pressure on them. They have a new coach. Laviolette is not known for being the best in the locker room. He's going to want these guys playing a very defensive game. The Metro is getting better. Uh, I'm taking under 103.5 for the New York Rangers. Philadelphia Flyers, under 75.5 points. They had 75 points last year, and I think the team is worse. I think they've moved Provorov off, you know, out of town. They shipped him out. I think um, Philly's going to have their hands full this year, big time. Right. They're in complete rebuild mode. They broke it down. They're doing the right thing, but I don't think it lends itself to beating last year's point total. So those are my four over-under picks for team totals. All right. Most regular season points head-to-head. I have the Buffalo Sabres having more points than the New York Islanders this year. I like that. Number two, the New Jersey Devil, minus 135 over the New York Rangers. I have the Devils to have more points than the Rangers this year. Absolutely. You lay 135 bucks to win 100. Oh, you're going to like this one, Dad. This is you're you're really going to like this one. Luke Hughes has 200 points. Luke Hughes, <laughs> Vegas over 44 and a half points. They don't know what they're doing out there. <laughs> <laughs> They've been in the sun way too long. So I got. So I'm taking. I'm taking them to. I'm taking Luke Hughes over 44 and a half points. And then my last one. I got the Buffalo Sabres making the playoffs, sliding into the playoffs. Even money. Yeah. I like Buffalo. But you don't like I them like enough Buffalo. to have over 92 points? I don't get it. I don't think that's I don't think that they need more than Yeah, they oh, do. Maybe. The Atlantic Division is okay. very, very tough. So all right. So overall, here it is. Final this is the final rundown. We got Dallas over 105.5. We got the Sabres over 92.5. The Rangers under 103.5, Philadelphia Flyers under 75.5. We have the Buffalo Sabres to have more points than the New York Islanders, and we have the New Jersey Devils to have more points than the New York Rangers. Luke Hughes over 44.5 points, and we have the Buffalo Sabres to make the playoffs. Those are the Traps' future picks for the 2023-24 season. And then if you really wanted to put, like, Something very small with very high odds. I like the value in Jake Ottinger for Vesna Trophy winner this year, plus 1,200. I think wow. Dallas is going to be a juggernaut, and with that comes a lot of visibility and a lot of praise, and that's why I don't like picking the Norris because I think it's Kel McCart's trophy to lose. But... If Dallas makes a serious run and looks like they could be who I think they are, Jake Ottinger and Miro Heiskanen are going to get a ton of publicity as well as Rasmus Dahlin if the Sabres are able to take that next step. I like I like both of those guys. So that's who we have for this week. And then obviously, like I was saying, we have we're going to have a um, we're going to have a new a new segment that's going to start at the beginning of the year where we're going to go over um, this week's enemies. Has yet to reveal himself. So our true enemies have yet to reveal themselves and we will reveal these, this, uh, the upcoming week's enemies. So we're going to have those two new features that are going to happen this year on the podcast. And hopefully we'll get a little more visibility into some of these other teams that are coming into town or other stuff that's going on around the league. I think it's, it's good to, Diverse yourself a little bit. We don't, you know, we talk devils all day, every day. There's a lot of other right. great players out there. There's a lot of other good storylines going on in the league that we could take advantage of. So did um, you did you happen to catch the 
the Vegas game yesterday. I think it was yesterday. It was either yesterday or the day before Vegas playing the Kings. And I was surprised to see that scoring machine, Gearston, playing for Vegas now. Well, I mean, it's the preseason. <laughs> no, I know. I know. But he was just gooning it up out, out there in Sin City. I mean, it was, Yeah, I mean, that was the game where they, I was or, like, they took a run Gearston. at Mark Stone. And, and yes, and, yes, yes. And Mark Stone grabbed Brent Clark by the by the the chest and was. Did you see him grab Brent? Yeah, Clark? that was just that. That was that wasn't. It wasn't that bad of a a hit. Like they were calling it like it was like way dirty, but it really it really no wasn't. Like you don't have to. You shouldn't do it unless you're really a young guy trying to make a a name for yourself and trying to make a. A roster spot, but he, that was that was he crazy. grabbed Brant Clark, who I think is going to be a good player, and he grabbed them and he scared the shit out of him. Brant Clark had a load in his pants after Stone grabbed him. He did. He looked like he just got sent down to the principal's office. Yeah, it, it looked like I think it was Patty Shambro, um, who we're going to have on the on the podcast coming up before the season starts. But he 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 posted the picture of of stone and clark's face when he was grabbing him and it said uh me back in the day when my dad's helping me with my math homework (laughs) (laughs) did it bring back flashbacks yeah and i thought that that was funny i think um but uh but yeah i mean you got anything else dad no that's about it i thought you know i was very happy with i'm really happy with the way our goaltending is turning up um they're, they're showing up and they, they look, both goaltenders look pretty decent having a tandem that, that I know it's only a couple preseason games, but they're making me feel better, better about going into the season, winning the cup. Two preseason games in, winning the cup. Two and a half. Anyway, it was, um, it's been fun. It's Sunday. It's October. Hockey season's right around the corner. We got two preseason games this week, or three preseason games this week. Hopefully, we get a better idea what the Devils plan on doing with these roster spots. You have been listening to the Trap Podcast. Bill Sr., Bill Jr., we will talk soon. Be well. Keeps forever